0: Hello everybody, and welcome back to the Upside Swings Severe Draft Podcast, the podcast the high ceiling. I'm your host Bryce Hendricks.
1: Doing well. Just got back from my short weekend vacation, so feeling refreshed and energized and ready to dissect all of these great players on the docket today.
2: Yeah, I spilled water on my notes like 10 seconds before hopping onto the call. So I feel like a bit of a moron, but I am very, very excited to talk about these guys. Some really, really good and, and fun players to talk about here on the talk.
0: Yeah, and I'm uh, really, really tired and I'm hoping that my notes will will not lead me astray because I will forget talking points if I don't just read them you know, word for word from my notes. G-League Ignite is really interesting this year. It started out and it had, you know, two top 10 picks. It's first year with Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga. There were some other guys in that class, but those are like the two most intriguing ones. Um, and then, you know, last year was a bit of a down year. They only had one draft pick, I believe, and that was Jaden Hardy at 30-something. Uh, nice. Last... Oh, I'm yeah. On. Oh. I'm dumb. Yes. Dyson went eight and Marjon went 21, but it felt like a disappointing class because Jaden Hardy was the headliner and he kind of fell off. And also I still think of Dyson as Australian first. And of course the best tape to scout on was YVC tape. So, you know, it's a different world out there. You're right. That's a, a huge plague for me again. I'm very tired. It's been a long week. Um, but anyways, this year, you know, last year, the real prize of G- the G League Ignite was someone who we knew wouldn't be around until this year's draft, and that was Scoot Henderson. Scoot is eligible now. He is a February 3rd, 2004 birthday. Uh, he's listed as 6'2", 195. I honestly feel like 6'2", might be a slight overlisting. I feel like he might even be a little shorter than that. And 195 might be an underlisting because he is a thick boy. Um, he is a a thick little man. Uh, he, this year through 11 games, he is averaging 17.7 points on 45, 28, 75.7 shooting splits, 5.7 assists at 3.5 turnovers. That's a really nice number there, especially because the G League is very, very turnover prone. Um for what that's worth two steals one point or not two steals sorry two percent steal rate 1.5 percent block rate 20 usage not like an awful rebounder 57.3 true shooting is very solid um I think the place to start with Scoot is just his overall athleticism Stone I'm gonna throw this to you can you just give me like a general breakdown of, of what Scoot is athletically
1: uh yeah I mean I think um it all stems mostly from his speed. Um, I think he's probably got the fastest quick step I've evaluated um, over the past seven, eight drafts. Like his first step to me is ridiculously fast. Um, he Not just in terms of like, not even discussing like power or anything, but just how quickly he gets that step on the floor. Uh, I think he's fantastic at it. Um, and that's usually what's getting him around a lot of um, defenders Uh, although we'll get into his handle. I think that's really good as well. Um, He's able to, he's a walking paint touch really with that. Um, And uh, I think that's really just like the main appeal with scoot is how um, quickly and well he could break down a defense and collapse a defense um, and, and maximize on the opportunities created out of that. So I think that Scoot possesses a really, um, Elite ability to uh g- be able to get to the rim, um, whether it's in transition, whether it's in half court, um, in a way that a lot of others can't, because I do think he's also a really good passer, um, once the defense collapses. So there's a lot of elements with Scoot that all virtually stem just from the speed that he gets around defenders. Um, and I think that that's probably the most important part of the athleticism aspect of Scoot.
0: i mean, sure just talk about this because. I have the most impressive part of Scoot's athleticism. Wasn't his first step, but instead his top speed. I feel like he's at his best um, with like a full head of steam. Uh, Transition specifically, I feel like that's where he's getting to the rim the most. Even like in just like semi-transition, like even if there's a stacked paint, he can still get to the rim with that head of steam. I actually, I like the first step. But I I honestly didn't find him to be like a walking paint touch, like you mentioned. Partially, I think some of it is like the second and third steps being not great. But I also think some of it is just the handle not being great, which is not really a part of athleticism. So we'll talk about that with a little more depth later. But I I do agree. I think the first step is very good, uh, specifically kind of when he can rip, um, you know, if he... Off a dribble, I feel like he has a little bit more trouble exploding. But if he's just, like, catching or, like, that, I think that's part of why, like, Julie Knight runs quite a few Scoot Henderson post-ups, um, like, in the mid-post area. And I think a big reason why is because he has that, like, Jimmy Butler catch and rip to his game. Uh, and I think that's where his first step really shows the most, is on those kind of rip drives. Um, but I, I I didn't love – It's it's very good. But I did not love like the off the dribble explosion as much as I kind of expected to. I went back and I watched some old Jaw film. I did not get to Derrick Rose and John Wall like I wanted to, but it, in my in my mind, and definitely Ja, who I did get to see, those guys had like a better explosive first step off the dribble, like explode out of a hesitation move, explode out of a cl- a crossover. I think those guys comfortably did that better than Scoot. And I think that does affect like his overall prospect. Coop, where are you at with uh, Scoot's overall athleticism?
2: Yeah, I think his combination of speed and strength is really impressive. I'm kind of with you, Bryce. I like the burst is not like world ending. Uh, I think it's really, really good. I I don't know if it's the best I've, I've ever seen. I mean, Jalen Green is pretty impressive as a, as a first step athlete, Um, but just the combination of all his tools and his ability to understand where he is and where everybody else is on the floor in combination with like his strength and speed and the ability to kind of squeeze into tight spaces and not be like too bothered and come out the other side. Um, It just, his understanding of his body and ability to just get where he wants to go is just super unparalleled stone talked about uh, automatic paint touch i think he does that in a lot of different ways and it's kind of harder to scheme completely against him because he has multiple different avenues to to getting there athletically that's you know a lot better than like ivy where he's just straight line speed or even jalen green where it's burst and around you there's no change of pace there's no change of direction can't bump you can't use his strength uh, and I think that's part of what makes scoot really special, even if the the burst isn't top top notch,
0: yeah, I think I think all of that is fair. Um, I again, i, I do want to stress like that top speed is great. and I, I some of the some of the issues I'm talking about with like the dribble build-up speed could be somewhat affected by the space he's playing in. Uh, the G, GLI this year was pretty spacing deficient in in a lot of ways um but i i I still think like it's just not incredible it's very good and it's good enough that like in pick and roll spaced out like he will get to the rim a good amount i have no doubts about that but i i don't think it's quite to that like generational rim pressure guard that i maybe thought he would be coming into the year so that does make me want to see some other things Coop, I I do want to, you know, speaking of that kind of top end speed, the transition play, what do you think of him as a transition player in general? And what might that look like as he gets to the NBA?
2: Well, it really starts on the defensive end. I think uh, he is really aggressive, you know, uh, rotating, gambling, digging on guys. I think he uses his strength well to kind of bully the ball out of a uh, smaller guard's hands and then has really quick reaction speed and is able to, you know, keep the ball with his team and get out and just get it to top speed. And then, you know, him, he, he doesn't just like beeline towards the goal is, you know, the G league ignite the really great part about it is that there's two or three other pretty solid athletes on the floor with him at all times. Like uh, as much as we'll talk about how rough he is. I mean, city Sissoko is pretty quick. By G League standards, he's getting out in transition and and leaks out well. And, you know, playing with him and Leonard Miller, and they're all passing, making the correct play, drawing in the defense, uh, using that speed to draw somebody in to make the correct pass or just go up and use his body and use that strength talked about to just basically get free free points right at the rim. Uh, I think that's... Really, like he talked about it, at the rim, like in the half court, his uh his rim pressure has been not disappointing, but not like generational, generational. But I think that he is nearly a perfect transition player. I don't like uh I just don't know where the flaws are. He sees the floor so well and he is so fast and so good at generating uh you know transition opportunities without. You know, getting himself completely out of the play. You know, you'd wish he'd foul a little bit less, but it's going to be really hard for transition not to be a big part of his game is like immediately at the NBA level.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I mean, what's going to get him on the floor quickest for whatever team takes him? Um, but uh, just in terms of easy buckets, but I think th- what I came away with. Uh, if you guys are sort of ready to talk more about the half court and what he's able to do, um, <clears throat> is that the combination? I think of the speed is the the burst is re- really impressed me. But also, once he do- does, once the defense collapses, is really impressive. Like I think he is a very versatile finisher. Um, like Cooper was saying earlier, he's really good at squeezing into tight spots, has really good body control, um, and I don't. I don't know what his wingspan is, but it feels like it's fairly like he just he uses every bit of what wingspan he has. It feels like when he finishes Um, and uh, you guys also mentioned strength a couple of times, and I feel like that component is um, really important uh, in terms of how he finishes, like he's able to get through a lot of contact um, for how small he is, Uh, not that he's exceptionally small, but um, I think that he is able to finish through contact fairly well relative to his height. Um, I also think he's like a really, really good passer. Um, and I feel like this doesn't, for some reason, I don't know, maybe it's just what I listen to, but it doesn't get talked about that often. It feels like with Scoot, at least as like a major positive of his game, uh, where I feel like once he collapses the defense, he is fantastic at finding what guys are open, uh, making a variety of different passes to get it there um i think that the delivery can be a little off sometimes uh it could be a little bit more accurate but i think that overall vision and and thought process behind his passes are are really really strong um the one thing i would say um which we'll probably get into more later on is sort of how the jumper correlates to his um half court offense uh, i think that it's a work in progress still um but um there's you know, indicators that we'll get into in a little bit. But I, I think overall, um, I really like his half-court offense. It's just a matter of uh, expanding on it and expanding on the range of when he's able to do or initiate certain aspects of the offense.
2: Yeah, the passing is top, top tier. Uh, one A little nitpick on it is that he, like, flings passes at the speed of light. And guys just cannot hold on to them sometimes. Uh I get he's yeah, I saw that like, too with like other 19-year-olds and you know all that. But I mean some of these are like you you could kill you could kill a man if you flung that in his head and he didn't block it, right? Like he's going full speed and uh yeah, his delivery could stand to improve a little bit and he tries to force a lot, but that's kind of what you would rather see with uh you know a young play playmaker. You'd rather see them try and force the big time, big win pass rather than just making the little, oh, you know, here you go, Dawkins, uh, take a semi contested MIDI here. Or it's like, oh, I'm gonna try and hit City here on this cut that he's making and uh, results in a turnover. And it's, you know, the turnover numbers will probably get pointed to a little bit by uh by people looking to nitpick him. I think they're honestly good turnovers for the most part. They're a good idea, uh, you know, wrong result, good defense, problem-solving turnovers, and not – I don't know what I'm doing with the ball. Although he does fall a lot, um, at least in some of the games. Like, he is just too fast and trying to change direction too fast, and he falls on his ass. And he gets bailed out a lot. So it, it, it works out, and, you know, he usually ends up getting out of it. But it is something I noted.
1: Yeah, that's one thing too, is sometimes it feels like he gets himself in situations that are just not well thought out, it seems like at times, but he's got such good, like even hang time in the air and body control and speed that he's sort of able to just bail himself out of whatever situation he creates for himself. Like, obviously you don't ideally want to be in situations where you have to bail yourself out, but Scoot's such a good passer and, and all the other things I just mentioned um in combination that I think he's just so good that it doesn't matter. Like he can just bail himself out of whatever he gets himself into. And as far as the turnovers, um, I watched a lot of early season G League and have felt like in the beginning a lot of his passes were um bounce passes that he was trying to force through the pocket a lot of times and pick and rolls. Um and they ended up being turnovers, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it felt like as I watched throughout the season, because I watched games at different intervals throughout the season, and it felt like he got more and more comfortable uh, making those passes. So um, improvement is obviously something you want to see throughout the season, and for me, in that at least specific regard, it felt like Scoot's improved quite a bit.
0: Yeah, so I think what I take away most from Scoot, like what – I don't even know if it's fair to say I was surprised, but something I I found really impressive with with Scoot's overall offensive package was just that I I think he's just really good at executing the scheme um, and he's never doing too much, which makes me buy the scalability a lot, even though he's not like a great shooter right now. It actually reminds me a lot of like what Markel Fultz has done for the Magic this year, where it's just like, yeah, he's just steady. He's just doing what needs to be done. It doesn't matter that he doesn't shoot because he's playing this point guard role and he sh- he's setting everyone else up. Um, they run this like hammer action all the time for John Jenkins, which is just Scoot basically rejects a screen and drives baseline. And then on the opposite side, they set a down screen for John Jenkins to try and get open in the corner. And Scoot just like runs that play no problem he is great at getting just where he needs to 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 deliver that pass he varies the angles on that pass like there are a couple where he's throwing these like bowling ball baseline like bounce passes and there's a couple where it's just the more normal bullet pass whatever uh he's really really good at those like there are times where you know, he he like the defense clearly like shifts to him before he starts running a pick and roll. So he just throws the ball to the or open man in the corner without actually like doing much to get there because he's like, hey, the defense is pre-rotated. There's nothing for me to that I need to do. I can just make this pass and create just as good a shot. Um, I like that he's that quick of a decision maker, shows up a lot in transition. He's an excellent transition decision maker. I, I just, like, his headiness on offense is really, really impressive to me. My big worry with his offensive game is is the handle. I don't think the handle is really very good at all, if I'm being honest. Something that he does very well is mix in these ball pickups, right? And they look great. Like, he will do this these, like, really funky, you know, pick up the ball at weird points, mix up his footwork. All that type of stuff. It actually, you know, like, it, it's kind of the shit I do because I have a weak handle, but I'm pretty athletic. So, like, when I'm playing, like, against dudes at the Rack or whatever, like, I mix in these, like, really weird, funky ball pickups and jumps. And now I'm not as creative with, like, the Euros or and shit as, as uh, Scoot is. But, like, just in general, it's a very good way to compensate for a weak handle. But it's still a sign of a weak handle nonetheless. You know what I mean? Like, I just think I'm worried he picks up the ball a lot. Like, whenever he was faced with a hard hedge, and hard, and hard hedges in the G League are shitty hard hedges too. These are not, like, well-executed, well-done hard hedges for the most part. But he was still picking the ball up, and then he has to just pass off to someone else. And that really, really worries me, because with the jumper questions, he then becomes someone who... I really want to be able to have like a, you know, 30, 32 usage at, the, and that's traditional usage, you know, at the, at the NBA level. And I just don't know if he could do that. Like, I feel like his pick and roll handling is pretty inconsistent. He's at his best when he can hit one move and just get right by someone, which he can do. Like he can't do that a good amount, but I, I, I don't know. Coop, am I crazy here? How, how did you feel about his general, you know, handle and playmaking ability in general.
2: Yeah, he, like you talked about, the pickup spots were really the big thing where it's like he would he played with them low, he played with them high. It's just that he can't really mix them together a ton. Um, I just think that all of his different tools make it hard for even at like the weak point where it's set for not to be efficient, especially because he is crafty. I think he'll pick up more, tools and more ways to, you know, mess with defenders and, and get through guys. And he just every single other thing works in his favor to compensate for the fact that the handle isn't like super, super crazy that it, uh, you know, it's I, like, it's, it's, it's more difficult than, you know, some other guys who can really have the ball on a string and all this stuff, but I don't have a ton of worries for it because
1: he's strong, smart,
2: fast, and, and crappy.
1: I don't know. I feel like I actually disagree a little bit here. Um, I feel like his handle is fairly tight. Um, I think it's somewhat manipulative. I don't think that it's quite complex in terms of the counters that he has. Uh, I don't think it's like a well-developed handle in terms of um, just the different moves he can combine together or, or put together at a time. But I think that... Overall, it's fairly tight in my opinion, and I do think that, um, combined with his speed, like it doesn't need to be that high level for me in order to get past the point of attack. A lot of times, um, I think that, I don't know, for me, it already looks like fine. Um, it's not great because, like I said, I think that there it's lacking certain counters and things like that. But, um, I do think that it's tight with what he does have, um, and compared or or combined with the craftiness that he has um and the speed that he has, I feel like it's um enough to be what he needs in order to get past um the initial line of defense.
0: All right. So this is actually kind of impromptu. But for those who remember, I wrote a, a piece on Handel over the summer that was on my Patreon, a patreon I have. Kind of neglected, but that I did enjoy writing stuff for. Um, And I kind of broke down handle into a lot of elements. And I actually think it'd be kind of fun to go through some of those and and talk about scoop. So the first one was ball control. And it's basically the tightness of your handle, your ability to keep your handle alive in tight spaces. Uh, I use Jared Butler as like a prime example here. I think he might be like the ultimate like tight space handler. I honestly can't really think of a better one. Um, And I think that is like a big question mark for um, for Scoot is that kind of tight space handle, because I just think he, he like I said, he picks up the ball a lot, like in bad spots on the floor because he he can't keep a dribble alive and split defenders. He can't like like he never, ever uses like an escape dribble. You know what I mean? Like, and I know that's like a little thing, but. He's a guard who's going to have a super high usage. It'd be nice if occasionally he was like, okay, let me take a step back, a hesitation dribble, and just kind of get my bearings for a second. Instead, it's pick up and then decide what to do next. That stuff does worry me. Uh, we mentioned first step. First step is he has an elite one. He has a great first step, even if he doesn't always explode out of moves, which is the next one that I kind of used, uh, I feel like. The explosion out of moves is iffy. Uh, he is a really good when he hits like a right to left crossover. I feel like that explosion is good. I don't love his explosion going the other way. And I don't love how he explodes out of general hesitations uh, for what that's worth. Um, you know, change of pace. He's a great change of pace player. He's not like elite at it, but he is very good at slowing himself down and finishing from there. Um you know, change of direction. I feel like he's a pretty good change of direction guy, very violent, herky jerky athlete in a lot of ways. Uh, he shows this off a lot with like how he picks the ball up and do like these Euros where he's like hard, you know, switching his body angle uh very quickly. Um, I I won't go through them all because like the last one's like ball pickups, which we talked about, but just in general, like I, I am I am worried about his handle. Uh I, I get where you're coming from, Stone where you're like, you think it's good enough. And I think it's good enough at times, but I do worry about how it scales with his efficiency because they're, you know, like, or not his efficiency, sorry, his usage, because I think there are, you know, some beliefs that he could be like super, super high usage at the next level. Like, you know, uh, in Seth Partnow's um, total usage stat, which takes into account like turnovers and assists and potential assists, you know, like, I think you would have some hope that he could be like 35 to 40, which is like, you know, current LeBron range, right? Like you I think you had your hope that he could get to that level. And I just I just don't know. So that does take me to sort of his off-ball play. Uh and I think a lot of people are gonna start with the jumper here, but I, I think we are all uh to some degree or another truly in love with how he cuts. So Coop, I'm gonna throw it to you. What do you
2: feel? Or how do you feel about Scoot's off-ball movement? Yeah, that was the big thing that, like, he gets comp to all these guys who are... People talk about him as, oh, you know, John Wall, all this stuff with a, with a jumper. I mean, he is like an off-ball, on-ball combo guard. Like, at in, in his heart, he can play off of big men really well. He has a great two-man game with, uh you know objectively bad at defense, big man, uh, Micah, Aaron, my Eric, Micah, is Eric, that Mika. Mika. Eric Mika. Sorry. I thought we agreed. We were calling him Micah before the pod, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I like he, all of all three of like the, the, the bigger quote unquote, uh, prospects cut off of each other really well while the other one is handling, uh, they can all, slide back into a secondary role and scoop does as well he can cut baseline he can cut following somebody else on a drive he it's i think he's primarily really good in a two-man game sense where he can throw it to a guy on the wing or in the the mid post and then cut around them and like do the little fake out and or and move back out to the three-point line he's just really crafty in that way and he's not usually going to be found just like sitting if he doesn't have the ball which is usually the worry for these kinds of guys it is not at all a worry for scoot
0: yeah it's um I, I, I think so we talked a lot about in our in our last pod like how the secret sauce to when Yama was the uh reaction time right I think with scoot the secret sauce is his proprioception it's his understanding of space how he and how others exist in that space. I think he shows this off as a passer a lot, but I think the place it shows up most is with his cutting. Um because it truly is, and and some of these are like schemed cuts, but a lot of them are oh, I'm getting top blocked. Okay, I'm I'll cut, you know, I'll cut now and and I'll understand where that rotating big is. He's a great like quick passer off of cuts. There were a couple where He cuts, Eric Mika throws the backdoor pass, he catches it, someone steps over, and he's just very quick to shovel it to, you know, someone in the dunker spot, or if someone drops down to cover that, passes it up to the top of the key. I think, uh, I think City had like a really bad miss off of one of those passes where I was like, oh, great, great pass from, from uh, Scoot Henderson. Oh, oh, my bad um but anyways uh, which
2: which which city awful misses this was this number I, 1 or I, number 87 yeah, yeah it's a, at a
0: certain point i stopped keeping track we'll talk about city here in a second um but i i think his 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 general feel for for understanding space is great but there is still some worry that no matter how good you are as a cutter as an offball mover it's hard to be a good offball player without the jumper and man I'm going to have a hell of a time. Like it, scoots jumper is just really hard to discuss. Uh, 28% taking less than two and a half attempts from deep per game. Uh, he's at 35.7 percent from three. He's only taking 3.4 because of the G league, uh, free throw rules where one, it's only one shot to count for two points. So, you know, you basically double that if you want like a proper free throw rate. Um, anyways, uh, But his like he he looks so comfortable sometimes, you know, step backs, pull ups in the mid range. But like he steps behind that line and it's crazy. It's like it all goes away in like a very old school way, like the Tayshaun Prince esque way. Just stuff you don't really think of that. Like it's just not the type of thing you see very often anymore. You know, if anything, it's the opposite. Guys are knocked down three-point shooters, and they take a couple steps in the line that they can't hit. You know, the bottom of the ocean. But that's, that that it, it's really weird with Scoop, and I I think the form is fine. Uh, I think it's actually gotten better over time. I thought last year it was worse than it is this year. I think uh, that this year development has done the form itself some favors. I think his touch is good. Uh, I I just think a lot of it is. He, doesn't, he just doesn't know how to, like, catch a Um, Some of it is, you know, like, he'll take the occasional pull-up, but he'll never take a pull-up three. He took, like, that one step-back three against Wemby where everyone was like, oh, shit. And then, like, I think that's the only step-back three I've seen him take. But he'll get in that mid-post area, and he'll hit those with ease. It's just – it's really weird. And I think I will – say that I, I I'd be shocked if the jumper doesn't come around eventually, just because he's so young. There is a solid kind of growth improvement here. And for everything I can tell, he's a hard worker. You know, he, he, he's improved a lot since last year. Um, So I, 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 th- I buy the jumper enough. I'm not sure it'll ever get to the point where you're really worried about a Scoot Henderson three Uh, you know, like, like to the extent that say he's playing with, you know, someone like a KD that you wouldn't, Oh, okay. Well, we can't double KD because we might leave scoot open, but if it does get to that point, he becomes a truly deadly off ball player, which is impressive for someone with as many on ball chops as he has stone. How did you kind of feel about his jumper? And then just kind of, if you wanted to wrap up his, his overall offense, kind of go ahead
1: yeah i think um i'm sort of with you with it'll come around eventually um i'm not sure maybe to the level we would hope for um as a guy that will probably carry the usage that he will um i think that we could see him be okay at like a 35 36 percent sort of guy on decent volume um but you know hopefully he gets higher than that um I think he has decent touch. Uh I, I would like to see more versatility um in the mid-range of the shots that he puts up. Like I don't think that he's necessarily a high volume guy with floaters and runners and I would like to see that improve a little bit. Um but I feel really confident anytime he puts up a, a mid-range jumper. Um it feels like they're always going to go in even if they always don't. Um like it feels he, he just has a really good um awareness of how much time he needs to put up his shot, uh, and when he can get it off. Um, and there's some games where it's automatic, there's some games where it's a little bit off and on, but overall I think that there's enough indicators there to to make you um optimistic about his future as a, a floor spacer. Um and I think that opens a lot of his game up too. Um overall offensively, um I think that it's hard. I came away from deep diving. Um, I watched a lot of them early on, and I was a little bit more skeptical, but um, I haven't watched the Thompson Twins in depth, but I feel like it's going to be very difficult for me to move off of Scoot as the number two guy in this class. Um, offensively, I feel like it was just um, a, a treat to watch, and there's there's work to be done. There's things to clean up, but overall, I feel like the the fundamentals of what he has the, the foundation of what he has as an offensive player um is not something that comes around very often and is something that um is is really special so uh, i am a huge fan of what he does on that end of the ball and think that um it's I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic of to what level it come all comes together but i do think that at some point it does come together in his lowest uh, value as a player is still fairly high. Yeah, Coop, do you
0: kind of want to give me your overall take on his offensive upside?
2: Yeah, I mean, the the shot, I think I, I don't know, I feel more uh, optimistic than you two, but like the mid-range, I think he shot like what, 60% on pull-up twos last season. I don't have the numbers for this season, and I could very well be wrong, but I mean, just the amount of confidence that he has in the mid range in that jumper, and uh, there were a few moments where the three really just popped. And he, it, it was never like like he would like create something crazy all behind the three point line. It's like he would leverage the mid range shot and then like tiny little step back to the three point line. It wasn't like he was creating ten feet of space on it or anything, but he just. I I just buy I I think the shot I don't I I think it'll come around like you guys I think it'll be sooner rather than later I think it's I think confidence wise it'll be pretty easy to get in to just shoot them more often and feel ready with them and I think that's the bigger issue at least from what I'm seeing uh I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like a league average shooter like league average tough shooter um by like year three or four. I don't think he'll be like this crazy, crazy threat, but I don't think he has to be, which is the thing, because he's such a good half court passer because of the strength and the speed. Uh, he's just the whole package at the guard spot. I think I, you, like, you could, you could nitpick and like, Oh, the handle could be a little bit stronger. I think the finishing could be a little bit better. I think there's, uh, especially with strength based finishes, uh, he doesn't have like the best, best touch unless he's like getting right, right to the rim. But at the end of the day, those are kind of nitpicks. And I'm not worried about anything super substantial on the offensive end.
0: Yeah, I would say. I mean, the the ceiling is like true engine, right? It's it's especially I think if he's someone who if he's someone who can get the ball and and get out on the break a lot, like he is excellent at that already. I think that's something that's immediately going to tra- not only just translate but be even better at the NBA level where running is at a bit more of a premium. Um, I do have my worries in the half court again. The handle is not quite where i'd want it to be i feel like for him to be like a true heliocentric half-court creator or anything i think it's fine i think it's projectable i don't think it's like absurdly elite uh i think the jumper off the dribble uh there's some upside there i'm just i i i'm not quite where stone is where it's like he's guaranteed for the second spot because he's like i i think he's probably an all-star but i don't think he is like you know, quite as obviously as an all-star as some, I guess. Like, I don't think he's like, oh, no doubter, all-NBA type. I think he's going to be good. I think he could get to that all-NBA level. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to count that out. I just, I I see a few more offensive holes than I would have liked. Um, and it's not just like the jumper. Uh, but he is still, like for me, he's in my tier... That's like top five bets, and he will probably be number three if I were to guess. I again, like I, I only do my big board as we go. Um, but if I were to guess, by the end of this draft, he'll end up at number three or so. Um, but I, I think he's very, very good, and I think there's a lot, a lot to like there. Um, let's quickly go over the defense. Um, I'll, I'll try and make this sh- this short and sweet. I think he is a really truly. Sp- almost special rotational defender if he was any taller than 6'2 we'd be talking about him as like one of the best defensive rotators like i i've seen in a while some of the rotations he makes are truly eye-catching he's a good athlete at 6'2 but he's not quite like truly you know a secondary rim protector or something, you know, that's not who he is. He makes good rotations. He makes the right rotations. He's not Cassano Wallace out here. Uh, and I, and I think it'd be just disingenuous to uh refer to him as such. He does some very nice things off ball. I think uh, I, I, he can be a bit gambly. I think that's maybe his one issue off the ball is that he's trying to jump a lot of passes and, There's somewhere it's like, okay, you probably didn't need to do that. But in general, I like his off ball defense in rotations. I don't like his off ball defense trying to navigate screens, nor do I like his on ball defense trying to navigate screens or even defend in isolation. I was a bit surprised, but I think Scoot is a pretty bad point of attack defender. Um, I feel like he's flat footed all the time. Uh, Like he gave up. Uh, in in the one he the Birmingham Squadron game, he probably gave up seven or eight just like really easy like blow buys that I was just like like really taken aback by because it's just you don't like see many athletes like Scoot get so abused like that, like at the point of attack. Um his strength is good, and he uses that well um to absorb some contact but i was really unimpressed by his uh point of attack d uh, and his screen nav coop how did you feel about scoot as an overall defensive prospect
2: yeah i agree with you with all the rotation stuff the screen nav was my biggest issue off ball uh i thought he was like yeah there are moments where it's like I, I get it. You maybe could have gotten this because you're a crazy athlete and, and you have long arms or whatever. That absolutely unnecessary, especially in transition. Uh, he spends like there's quite a few moments where it's like, oh, they're gonna throw the cross-court pass here and I'm I'm gonna snag it. And he gets it like once in the in the games I've watched, and then like three or four times he just ends up just shit out of luck. Um I had something else to say. Oh yeah, he is fine guarding iso against guys who have basically zero shift in the handle uh like he uses his body and he can contain straight line drives uh if they have any amount of shift or wiggle or anything or craft even it's it, it, he he's just gone there's absolutely nothing he's just too reactive i think as a defender he's not like anticipating what they're going to do he's not you know reading and and figuring out you know, a little bit before it's, it's all just like, Oh, they go here. I'm going to go here. And, uh, it's like, it's kind of like my, my, my little brother playing 2k defense where every single time you can pump fake and he just like goes flying and then he switches to another guy and he pump fake again. And then he, like, it's just seeing exactly what happens and reacting just to that instead of, uh, being a little bit proactive defensively.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, I'm sort of with you guys. I think on on ball, um, the one sort of note I had to add to that was, I do think when he's engaged, he can be a decent defender. I don't think he's always engaged. I think something that sort of affects him on both ends, but primarily defense, is sort of similar to, um, like we have seen in the past with Luca. Um, this is a big thing. I remember last cycle with Jan Montero where if things are going poorly for the team, it feels like he tries almost too hard Um, more so on defense than offense, but sort of on both ends and he gets sort of flustered. Um, And when things are going poorly, it's like he wants to uh, do everything he can for the team to try and get him back in it. And a lot of times it ends up being too much. Um, And I think that's where some of the gambles come from. I think that's sort of where um, he presses too high. A lot of times uh, when that happens, um and it seems like he just uh lets his emotions dictate a little too much of his play at times when things just are not going right. Um and that's more of an observation rather than like a negative, really, because you do want guys to really care about winning basketball. So um I don't really see it as like a really a negative or a positive. It's just sort of more of an observation. Um but yeah, I think uh, overall I don't really have too much to add outside of that defensively. Yeah, so I guess
0: the last place I the the last place I want to go with Scoot is kind of talking about him, um, in the context of of past guys we've evaluated. Uh, there's been a lot of talk as you know, uh, is Scoot the best guard prospect since Derrick Rose? Is he, you know, or uh, John Wall actually came after Derrick Rose, right? So you know, John Wall or um you know jaw morant and what i will say is for me comfortably jaw morant was probably a better prospect um and you, you, that that's about as far back as my draft knowledge goes but i you know i i would have scoot around like where i had Lamelo. probably he's probably like half half a tier higher i've restructured how i do my draft board since then but um I, I like him like a little better than a Lomello, but I'm not quite all in on him being like this generational point guard prospect. I just again, and, and I hate to harp on this one thing, but i I feel like for me, one of the most important things I like when evaluating guards is like a truly, truly shifty handle. You know, that's what jaw like like as you know obviously the athleticism with Jaw is absurd. But it's not like he's just that. He's also one of the slitheriest ball handlers of all time. Uh, it, you know, Jaws handles weird and funky, and it's kind of loose. But like, it is truly, truly deceptive. Scoots is just a little more robotic, and it's a little loose, and he struggles with it in tight spaces, and that just it just worries me. It just worries me just enough that I'm not comfortable putting him like in the top. You know, in that top tier. Um, so I have him in my tier three, which is not like a huge slight or anything. I've had number one picks in my tier three. That's like my definitely worthy of a top five in any class tier. So that's where I'm at, uh, coop stone, whoever wants to hop in kind of, where do you, how do you feel about scoop as a prospect in the historical sense and, and kind of how does he rank up, uh, amongst who we've scouted so
1: far this year? Um well we've only scouted Wemby, so I guess by default he's number two. Um as as of now. Uh, but like I said earlier, I think that um I haven't dove too deep in the Thompson twins and I'm not ready to uh no pun intended set this in stone yet because I do think that um from everything I've heard and people's whose opinions I value the Thompson twins are very special in their own right. So I don't wanna definitively say that Scoot is my number two. Um, but just after diving deep onto Scoot, after this, um, I think that it's going to be difficult for me to have Scoot any lower than two. Um, but I'm not totally set in that. Um, and there's obviously room for uh, either one of the Thompsons or somebody else to jump ahead of him. Um, I think historically, uh, out of all the guards I've I've scouted, um, he ranks firmly in. Uh, I don't want to put a number on it, but um, we'll say like the top maybe eighth percentile somewhere around there, where um he's not the the very very top, but uh he's not he's knocking on the door. He's not too far behind. Um, I think that um he is a, a guy. Uh, like Bryce said, that is probably going top five in any class, which is a really um uh, high praise for any prospect. Um, and I do think that Scoot. Um, although I don't see him as like generational necessarily, I do see him as a guy that um, can be a multi-time like All NBA type player. I'm not saying that that is what he'll be, but I, I think he has that sort of capability, and that's not something that um, you you really get out of a lot of prospects. So uh, I am fairly high on Scoot after this deep dive.
2: Yeah. So I haven't. Scouted a lot of historical guards. Um, I mean, I watched a little bit of Jaw and Lamelo, I really liked Lamelo. I think the thing that really differentiates Scoot to me is even if he's not this crazy ball handler, the off-ball play and ability to cut and make quick decisions and move the ball really well, uh raises his ceiling, I think, for like a, a winning team. Kind of sense um i think being able to fit alongside better players even if he's not like he's not as athletic as as jaw and he's not as soaring and the, the handle's not as shifty he cuts and he moves and he can make some connective passes as a cutter and some skip passes and he's just so strong and well-rounded uh and like there's not like a mega mega weakness knock on his game and that's at the end. At the end, of the, not having a weakness is a, is a is a skill, in, in my opinion. And uh, that's Scoot. And even if he's not like traditionally better than guys like oh, like maybe he's not as good as a John Wall in his prime or their MVP Derrick Rose. I think there's a world where he contributes to more winning teams, and he's on better teams because he makes all these teams better with his on and off ball play and just effort on both ends that you don't get from his and uh, not not I, I try not to use archetype too much, but from guys of his ilk. Yeah, I
0: think all that is fair. Um I'll 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 be the the uh, the lone guy low on him. That's that's fine. And again I I, I don't want to I'm not that I'm not that low. Uh, let's move on to um uh, probably the second guy on this Outside of scoot, this G League class is really hard to get a handle on in terms of like who ranks where in consensus. Uh, but I think the guy who is the next two are, are definitely like two and three, however, they're going to rank for us, be that as it may. But in terms of like draft boards, general draft consensus, two and three, let's talk about City Sissoko first. City Sissoko is, of course, French. Uh, he is an April 2nd, 2004 birthday, so he's 18 now. He'll be 19, the age at, at the time of the draft, and his his rookie season will be his age 19 season. Whereas Scoots, even though they're only two months apart, Scoots' rookie season will be his age 20 season because the cutoff is in February. Actually, it might be February 1st, so they might be both February 19th. Um, I don't know exactly how basketball reference does that, anyways. I, I, I get too jumbly when I'm tired, goddamn. Uh, anyways, with City, I'll be honest, I came into this year very low on him. I watched a lot of Francis Viva U18 stuff because Kamani Hunsu uh, was on that team and WSU signed him. So I do a lot of work covering WSU basketball and I wanted to be familiar with Kimani. Uh, and he was, I thought City was the third best player on that team behind Kamani and, and, uh, Ryan Repair. Uh, of course, City is young and I think that, you know he has that going for him listed at six eight two hundred pounds i thought he was a little smaller than six eight like six seven maybe even six six but i've been wrong on that type of thing before this year he's averaging 10.7 points per game on 48 29 72 shooting splits shipping in 2.4 rebounds 2.8 assists 1.7 turnovers 1.2 steals pretty impressive though again Uh, the steals in general in the G league are all just like super inflated because no one plays real defense. Um, so it's, you know, I I try not to put too much leverage into those, um, man, deciding where to start with city is interesting. Coop. Let's just start with like his general size and athleticism. Just kind of break that down for us and where he fits on the positional spectrum.
2: Yeah. So he's tough. He is you know, wing forward size and he's solidly athletic. I think I talked about it a little bit before. I think he's fast. Uh, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't have like crazy hops or anything. I think he's just like, he's pretty obviously an NBA level athlete. Um, It's (laughs) positionally, it's really tough because he cannot drill enough to be a guard. He does not shoot well enough to be a wing and he doesn't really defend well enough to be a forward. So he's just kind of in uh, positional purgatory where he can do a lot of interesting things, primarily pass and play as a secondary guy or a tertiary guy. Uh, And that's like, you can scheme stuff for him. You can get him like moving in certain spots and make super funky, interesting reads. Uh, But positionally, he's just like a, a super connector Right, like a, a, a tertiary, a secondary super connector who's not going to create any advantages. But if you just put him in a position where he can capitalize on them and expand them, then he is going to be. I think that's the only real way that he's an NBA player.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think, um, you know, what stands out is that he is wing size, actual wing size. He's strong. He's like you know very well built, and he's very fast. Um, the burst is really bad, and the flexibility is even worse. He is like a board out there, like just a fucking two by four, in terms of just how stiff he is. I feel like he's never properly down in the stance, and it's not for lack of effort. It's just that he's so stiff; it really hurts his his. Even if his first step is all right, which I, I think it's actually pretty good. Like, he can't bend around defenders at all. He just does not have that in his game. Uh, I think he's a good but not great vertical leaper. Like, I honestly... <laughs> this sounds mean. But I think he thinks he's a better better vertical athlete than he is. He's, like, calling for lobs sometimes that he is never going to catch in a million years. Uh, like, it's, it's very... Interesting, I guess. It's just I I I don't know. Stone, can you put words to my ramblings? What are your feelings with City Soko's athletic profile?
1: Um, athletically, I think that um you're correct and that he is very stiff. Um I think that I mean he has a full head of steam, I think it's good, not great, and I don't think that the um I don't think that the acceleration is good at all. I think it's pretty slow, actually. Um, I think that he's extremely strong, um, and he does use that in a variety of ways, which we could get into. Um, I do think that uh, he uses the power um, of his strides very well. He has good stride length, and he gets a lot of power out of it. Um, So he's able to cover ground with that. Um, and I do think that, uh, he uses his length really well, but, um, he's got a very weird athletic profile for sure. There's like non-traditional stuff that he's good at, but then traditional stuff he's bad at. It's hard to explain, but I get where you're coming from. It's a hard evaluation athletically.
0: Yeah. So I guess, I guess the the next thing to do is just kind of talk about how he applies that. So I want to start with his playmaking uh, he is a, a very legitimately good passer. And at first, when I was first watching him, like, oh, he's a good standstill passer. He makes good decisions with the ball, high level passes when he's standing completely still. And that's true. Like he does. But the more I watch, the more I realized he is a good off the dribble passer too. He just is such a bad ball handler that he rarely gets to do it. But he had this one against Birmingham that really stood out where he was, like, on this drive, and he kind of, like, starts falling over. But then he picks himself back up and throws a behind-the-back dump off to Eric Mika for a dunk. And I was just like, oh. And I, like, rewound it re-rounded a couple times because when I was first watching it, I thought he just lost the ball. And it just wound up in Mika's hands for a dunk because it was a weird play where people were falling over. And like I said, he literally like halfway through that drive, like stripped a little bit and had to catch himself. But no, he like made this like behind the back with his offhand pass, very impressive stuff. And it's, it's not consistent because he, again, cannot dribble at all. Really, really poor ball handler, but he, he is actually a good live dribble passer. Like he can attack, close out, take two dribbles and throw like a hook back pass to the corner or jump in the air and throw a skip to the other corner. Like he has some real high level reads in his bag. And that's just something that I'm going to bet on that he could continue improving upon and building on because he's so young, but big, you know, like it just shows me that there's, some real innate feel there with City, um, at least offensively. Coop, how did you feel about his his uh, his playmaking, if you want to talk about it in a broad sense?
2: Yeah, I really, really liked it. Uh, like, he can, like, hang in the air and, like, hit stuff. Like, he doesn't just, like he talked about, it, he doesn't have to just be standing still. Uh, he's, like, really crafty with the positioning of his passes where he lets him go, how he uses his arms and how he uses fakes. So he'll like throw a little fake and then dish out. And he's really good at hitting cutters. Uh, I think the the real big area where he thrives is throwing outlets, right? Like he is like, they, they get a little semi-transition opportunity and he will throw a perfectly placed either, Like up over the top, or even like he'll get to the half court line and then he'll throw some crazy like bounce zip in transition. Uh, He just sees the floor really, really well. He changes pace pretty solidly, like passing wise. Like handle, I mean, he's not dribbling and and changing uh, pace super, super well, but he creates advantages with his passing. He continues advantages with his passing. Uh, And if you can, like somehow scheme him into actions. Like he he just finds his way into doing stuff a lot. Um, and that kind of ends up being a quality of good players. Even if a lot of the stuff he does right now isn't super, super good, even on the offensive end, he, just a lot of shit happens to him with him involved. Um, and I think if you can find a way to harness that, I think he could be a really – Sneaky uh, pick up, you know, later in the later in the draft.
1: Yeah, I think City is probably the most unique passer in this class, um, and uh, it, with with his combination of size and also the fact that like, for how good of a passer is he can't create the passes on his own a lot of times. Um, I think that he is. Um, it's interesting you say that he was a really good standstill passer because the first thing that popped to me watching City um, in Ignite was he's like a fantastic passer on the move, I thought. Um, And a lot of it is due to depth perception. I feel like he's very good as a bounce passer on the move. Um, A lot of times he's doing these bounce passes and the delivery is really, really good, um, right, and the perfect placement. Um, So I feel like a lot of his passing not only is – the vision impressive, but I feel like depth perception is something that he really excels at. Um, I think that he has a lot of upside to be like this sort of secondary initiator, because obviously he can't initiate with his handle on his own, but once the defense is tilted, I feel like he does a really good job of taking advantage of that. Um, And because of the way he sees the floor, uh, he's able to do like dump off to the big or, um, make a uh, pass out to the three what a kick out whatever like sort of the defense is adapting to he, he takes it one step further and adapts um to the defense so uh, I think he's really good as a passer uh, I just wish that, that he was able to access that that aspect of his um, game a bit more due to the lack of handle
0: yeah I, I suppose to talk about the handle a little bit more and what specifically is bad about it Um, all of it, all of the, all of the aspects of the handle are bad, Uh, except for his first step. He is all right at blowing by someone in a straight line, so long as he doesn't have to get all the way to the rim, because if he takes more than three dribbles, he's going to lose it. Um, he just can't handle, like, pressure or... He can't like ship someone off of him with like a dribble move. It's just it's just not something that's in his game. And I think that on its own would only be so much of a worry if it wasn't for the jumper being also kind of bad. Um, I didn't do like a full breakdown on X, you know, every little problem and and how they could be fixed. I just think my general takeaway is that it is um a little far away right now. I just don't completely buy it where it's at. Um, I think that there's stuff to like with the jumper, specifically his level of confidence in it is nice. He clearly believes that he can shoot. Um, and that makes me think he can, you know, he's hitting them in practice or something, but um, the basis is sort of stiff and robotic and it's kind of off to the side of his body. And it's just, it's just not a shot i really buy so that does sort of make me question like what his offensive role is stone i i think you're higher on on city than me what do you feel like his offensive role
1: really is um i think that he's someone that obviously he's not creating obviously there's questions with the jumper but um, I do feel like he's a really good slasher off of a tilted defense. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the, the stride length, and the power of which he um, is able to drive, uh, and the strength that he has, I think he's able to take bumps and contact pretty well. Um, really good passer. Um, the jumper, it, he obviously has confidence in it, but it's not anywhere where it needs to be. Um, one of the the major factors for me that it looked like was he seems like a just a tad bit slow in reaction as to how when the defense comes towards him. Like if they're closing out on him, he just doesn't have the time to get it off properly and, and closeouts do affect him. Um so I think that being able to adapt a bit more in terms of um reading defenses a little bit quicker and processing that. Um if he's able to process how defense close out on him, um, as well as he processes things as a passer, I think it would do him wonders. Um but uh, overall I do think that just as a role it is it's probably primarily as like a slasher um who can can make passes out of already tilted defenses. I came away a little bit lower on Sissoko than I came into watching the film with, but um I still think I'm I'm probably a little bit higher than you guys on him.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um Coop, as our uh, defense aficionado, I think where the big disconnect between a lot of people's evaluations of city is going to be how they view the defense. So let's start with the off ball. D how do you feel about uh city in that aspect?
1: Uh,
2: I mean, he, he's like, he, he shoots passing lanes. All right. Um, I think he uses his length and he's fast and, uh, you know, he, he's long, but I like, he just doesn't do a whole lot and he fouls like uh like a solid amount on stuff where he's like getting back cut or he just loses people and he's just kind of everywhere and nowhere defensively um i think he's like i, I he I, I i know you said off ball but on ball is really kind of i think where the disconnect is because he looks like he should be a good on ball defender right Like, I think he uses his chest, he keeps guys in his chest, he slides well with smaller players, and then they get a slightly, like, advantageous angle into his body, and he's just, he wilts. It's like, there's absolutely nothing he can do, and then he fouls, and he's out of position, and he overcorrects. Like, I think he defends smaller guys who, like, drive straight line all right. I just don't just don't super know what he does like he opens his body well he does angles well it's just he can't correct whenever anything goes wrong um and it just doesn't do a whole lot off the ball other than really shoot passing like he tries for some rotational stuff right like he will try for like a a weak side rim contest and he had a few here and there but most of the time he just fouls because he doesn't have good form he doesn't like the timing is okay it just, it doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing with his body.
0: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Uh, I think I'm with you on most of that. Uh, Stone, how do you feel about his, his overall defense?
1: Um, I think that it's sort of a mixed bag. He has a lot of ups and downs. Um, On ball, there's flashes where he does a good job of staying in front of guys. Um, And then he sort of just gives up at the rim and they're able to finish above him. Um, and then there's other times where he's really good at staying vertical near the rim uh, and contesting shots, um, with his strength and long reach. Um, he, I feel like he's best at, um, on ball defense when he's defending, um, drivers as like a help guy. Um, when he takes over as the help guy, um, he's got a lot of strength. So a lot of times he can keep drivers off balance, um, but sort of harnessing that focus, um, position after possession seems to be a little bit difficult for him uh and it, it's there's there's enough flash there for me to not give up on him defensively but there's enough downside for me to not be confident that those flashes ever come together so um I'm sort of indifferent defensively with him at the moment because uh I'm not really sure um that he's ever an awful defender um consistently but is never uh consistently like great defender so i don't know i don't know where to stand on him defensively
0: yeah i uh it's hard to be out on city because there's clear i mean size plus feel is is legit there um but man He again that stiffness really kills him on defense, I think. Like it makes his rotation slow, even if he sees the rotation, and as athletic as I feel like he is in certain aspects of the games, like he just can't open his hips fast enough to like close out and like like his or or to to get to a rotation, and his closeouts are so bad because he just can't change the directions that quickly. Um I don't know like how fixable the flexibility issues are for City. I really don't. Um it's hard for me to to comfortably say with something like that. Like, like I want to just joke and say, oh, hot yoga. Um, uh, but it does kind of remind me of like Obi Toppin, who had like some major flexibility issues, or it's like RJ barrett ask too. Like that's another I guess Knicks love these guys who just have horrible hips. Um, but I just, I don't know how, how fixable it is. So I guess that takes me to just kind of the general value with city for me. It's like, I I get the idea, right. I get the potential, you know, solid defender um, who can make plays to connector. And if he, if he shoots type guy, I think there's so many questions there. I have him in my like very last tier of jackville players right now. Uh, coopstone where would you guys sort of value city
1: um i haven't watched probably as many guys as you have i'm still still getting around to it um but
0: to be fair my board isn't uh isn't updated with guys it's just like the name of the tier is draftable flyers so it's just like general general draft range is like
1: yeah, I mean, that's sort of what I'm I'm doing with City as well, just <clears throat> putting him in a, a general draft range. And for me, that is more of a fringe first. Um, fringe first slash um, uh, guy that I would prioritize in the second. Um, so somewhere in that range. Uh, I think before watching film, I had him as more of like a top 20 guy probably. Um, but I fell off quite a bit after watching a bit more. Um, but I still I don't know, he's still a gamble worth taking for me. It's more of an intuition thing. Like I just I, I believe in Sissoko even when my brain is telling me not to. So um he's just one of those guys for me. So I'm gonna stick him probably in that that fringe first area.
2: Yeah, i have him as a priority second uh guy for me right now. Um definitely I I've went to Stone before kind of going back into it. Um I had him kind of as like a, like a late first kind of guy, like take a swing in the first round. Um, But if you can get a city Sissoko from 30 to 40 and potentially get like a funky rotation piece there who can do some stuff. And I don't know. I I'm kind of with you there stone where it feels like I, I talked a little bit about just shit happens when to Sissoko, when he's on the floor, and if that can kind of be harnessed and and <laughs> and used for good instead of evil then i i think he could uh really outperform you know a second round pick but it's not really worth the swing to me any higher than you know 32 33
0: yeah yeah absolutely i think Um, I, 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 I think I'm lower than you guys, but I do at least see the value and I, I could definitely be proven wrong. Um, all right, let's move on to sort of the last guy we'll probably talk to with, talk about with this amount of depth and that's Leonard Miller. So I will link it in the podcast description here. We talked about Leonard Miller in depth last year. Because he was a part of last year's class for a minute. I thought he was a guy last year. And then he wasn't. He decided to go to the G League instead. He's a November 26, 2003 birthday. So he will turn 20, like, at the very beginning of his rookie year. Uh, He is from Thornhill, Canada. Played at Fort Erie International Academy. Uh 6'10, 210. He might even be taller than that. He might be 6'11. Um, he is harder to break down in the traditional athleticism handle, all that stuff. I think instead I'm just gonna give it to Coop and just Coop, tell me what is
2: Leonard Miller offensively. Man, what isn't? leonard miller offensively i mean he is uh i I posted a clip today he is a a touch god i think is kind of the base of it um he's like what six nine what is he what did you say he's listed at sorry six nine six ten he's
0: listed at six ten i think he might be like six eleven but yeah
2: he is he is a massive human being with a funky handle uh can get to any spot on the floor with different moves he doesn't really have like A bag in the traditional sense where he combines all this stuff he just does shit and shit happens and then he throws shit up and then it goes in at a pretty crazy rate and uh he can't shoot but he can shoot because he's uh because the touch is just so good uh and the touch like literally goes to every single part of his game he passes really well the delivery is is pinpoint he can do little teardrops he can do floaters he can do layups uh it translates to his handle where he has incredible ball control and it's 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 a I, I, it, it's it's an experience i think you did this to me last time where you put me on the spot and it was it has you gasping for air trying to describe such a, a religious experience
0: yeah funk master supreme is a bit hard to describe in um other words um i think where i would point to is that he is a legitimate advantage creator and that's like the one thing i feel like you can point to in this game concretely and say he can do that against i think some threes most fours and basically all fives in the nba i think he can create a legitimate advantage off the dribble uh he is slithery he has a good first step he has a, a solid bag of moves Um, he's strong, he's tenacious, all that stuff as a driver absolutely does it, touches great Um, I think he is a very real downhill driver uh, in that way in that he can actually blow by someone uh, whether it be off a move or, or whatever and get to the rim he's a solid finisher, I think the passing is really inconsistent I think he makes some nice dump-offs, but I think there are he he far too often is like, I'm scoring this, and that's all that matters. This shot is going up, and that's that's it. That's like the whole conversation. He he's nothing else left to say, uh, type thing. Like he is he is a one-track mind when he decides to score. Um, I think the shot is I'm gonna call it projectable. I might get called crazy by some by some shop people out there. I I believe in it. I I buy it. Um, he takes like step backs and runners and all this weird shit. Kind of reminds me of Kevin Knox. Uh, and Kevin Knox never came around as a shooter, but I I guess I'll just buy Leonard Miller's for the same reasons I bought Kevin Knox's. And if it bites me in the ass, it bites me in the ass. Um, but I I think he's gonna be able to shoot. Uh, at least to some extent. I think the footwork needs a lot of work. But that's like the easiest part of a jumper to teach. Like, hey, don't travel when you catch the ball. Hey, don't, you know, don't plant your off foot for no reason. And then drag your, the foot you should be planting. Like, just switch that up. It's, it's footwork is the easiest part of a jumper to teach in my opinion. His upper body's not awful. It's weird, but it's not awful. So I, I think he can shoot. If he can shoot, he can attack closeouts and make some plays. Suddenly you're talking about like a really good offensive player. It's it's kind of wild to put it like that, but that combo of, of handle, size, and potential as a shooter is legitimately very intriguing. The issue is that not one of those things have led to actual real production yet. Uh, Stone, where are you at with Leonard Miller's offense?
1: Oh man, that's a loaded question um <clears throat> I think that the best way I can describe Leonard Miller um is uh if you are an avid Poku enjoyer, you're gonna have a lot of poku like experiences not that they're similar players, but a lot of experiences where it's it's really really good on one possession and the next possession it's not um he's the funkiest mover in this class for sure Um, unlike his teammate that we just talked about Sissoko um, flexibility is uh, flexibility to height ratio is probably the best in this class is for Lennon Miller like he's extremely flexible Um, just a wild mover and I think that's what creates a lot of opportunistic uh, things for him as a scorer Um, really good uh, at just finding ways to get shots off in unique, weird ways. Um, like Cooper said, he does have really, really impressive touch. Um, I'm not sure I'm with you in terms of uh his projection as a shooter. Uh, it's just the the, the indicators are there with the type of shots that he makes inside the arc, but at the same time, there's a lot of like, um. There's a lot of times where I think he has similar issues with Sissoko, where he has trouble um, identifying like correct times to release it, uh, where he has difficulty with like getting giving himself ample time with the closeout on him. Uh, I think that's something that he's going to have to work on. They they sort of share that similarity as shooters. Um, I do think that uh, Miller has better indicators, like I said. Uh, I think offensively, he, in transition, is a really good passer. I like him um, as a passer, and that's going back to high school and in last year. Um, FIBA, there, there's a lot of stuff there where he's just really good passer on the move. Um, I think as a standstill passer, he sees things sometimes, but um, there's things he misses as well. I think he needs to get more consistent in reading the floor while he's standing still. Um even though like reactively, like I'm saying, he's, he's pretty good in that area. Um, Yeah. It's, it's weird. Um, He can finish through contact pretty well. Um, It doesn't really bug him. He has a really high release as a, as a um, finisher. Um, So even if he doesn't get off the ground, super high, the shot still goes kind of high above whoever the defender is. So, um, he's really weird offensively. It's I'm struggling to sort of come up with words. Um, as you can tell, I'm probably just rambling, but uh, I do think that um, there's a lot of upside with Miller, but there's a lot of downside with Miller as well um, offensively.
0: Yeah, I I, 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 and not to steal your your term here, Stone, because you brought this up. I think maybe even before the podcast, uh, but I, th- I think Leonard Miller is one of the rare actual boomer bust prospects i i honestly hate that term because i think for the most part it's disingenuous it's just a way of hedging your bets um of saying oh well if i was wrong on this guy i acknowledge that they were boomer bust you know what i mean like that i i usually don't like it but i think with leonard miller it's it's a true testament and there's another guy in this class kind of like that who plays for coop's team uh, to some extent, though he's proven to be a little better at some of the little things. Um, but I it's just like someone who has yet to put real production out there, but the disparate elements are so intriguing that it's impossible for me to not have them as a first rounder. Because if they if they hit, they're going to really hit. Like Leonard Miller, if he is like if he makes it in the nba is a 6'11 advantage creator like i'm just like think of him like operating dhos or i think he could be a role man like he's not a great two foot leaper but he could catch in the short roll and make plays or i i think he could probably catch like a lob from like a really good passer even if he's not like going to ever sky way up for some crazy ones like i don't think he's a bad athlete in that sense like I I you know he's super smooth. If he can shoot, like there's like a really obvious path to offense for him where it's like pick and pop, guy takes one step towards him on a closeout, he's right by and he's at the rim and he's making a play, or fake a DHO, spin back, do some crazy shit and it goes in. Like I like I can see the path. It's just he hasn't proven he can actually be efficient doing any of those things yet. But I'm going to buy the upside there because I think he's one of those few guys who all have like, you know, in my 18 to 25 ish range where I'm like, I see a world where they're an all star. I really do. There's a world where Leonard Miller is an all star uh, where he really is just like a true kind of connecting forward big who can score in isolation and can hit shots and just does so much that it's like you just want to play him because he does so many good things. Uh, And I don't think it's just offensively either. Coop, how do you kind of feel about Leonard Miller
2: on the defensive end of the ball? Yeah, so I mean, from like the last time when we watched him, uh, I I described his defense as like young guy defense uh, where he just is kind of out there doing whatever he feels like doing and he's running around trying to get steals at the top of the key. And now he's like, executing a drop scheme as the big man and can stifle drivers pretty well. Uh, he's not good at like the intricacies of oh I need to cover the big and then I need to get back over to you know the guard, but he can uh, he can guard one of them really, really well and and make sort of late uh, rotations back over to the other one. Um, the man defense got a lot better I thought as the year went out. Uh, you went along. I think he's able to just use his length and athleticism really effectively, even if he's kind of in a recovery situation a lot. I think his closeouts also got a lot better from the beginning of the year and last year, where even when he like over closes out and flies out and tries to block a jumper, he is able to recover and he doesn't jump crazy high because he's so long. He just jumps a little bit and then he recovers back. And I I think his instincts are just so solid and combined with the fact that he's figuring out how to finally at least try to run a scheme. Uh, I mean, I've been really, really impressed uh, with him defensively, uh, especially like as the, as he's grown, maybe he's not like a, a real plus, but, He's just gotten so much better from where he was last year. And uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's gooder now.
0: Yeah. I think I buy him as like a switch big. Like I think he's a good, not great perimeter defender with movement skills. Um, His issues are uh, like, he's just lost all the time. Uh, He's very consistently lost in pretty bad ways. Uh, That's pretty it's pretty frustrating sometimes like, but then suddenly he'll make like a really good rim rotation and you're like, what? Okay. I guess that came from somewhere. That's why like, I, I honestly think he might be a five because I think you want him not having to play and help and instead switching um, onto the perimeter, like being a switch five, he could probably play a four. I just wouldn't want him to be like the low man a time. Because I just, again, I just don't trust his rim rotations right now. Uh, I think there is some real upside, like, with him guarding some of the stronger wings. Like, I could see him giving Kawhi some trouble, you know, or or like a Franz Wagner as, as he develops, or Palo Caro Just because he's so long, he's strong enough, he's quick enough laterally, like... I think he could, like, I don't think he's like a quite a stopper, but there is upside there. There is some real talent with his uh, footwork. It's just the off ball D is just not there right now. And I don't think if he was a five, he could do anything but switch. Uh, Stone, where are you at?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree too much uh, with you guys. Um, I do think that he is best as a five defensively. I think he's really good at positioning near the rim. Um, and in part because it's a limited area. Um, I think when you're putting him out in bigger areas, he gets lost quicker. Um, I, the, the best way, I guess, you can describe him is he's a really skilled defender who looks like he just started playing basketball. Um, it's really difficult to explain, um, and that might be unfair to him because he's probably been playing for a long time. I don't really know, but um, he is ah uh, he's so difficult to understand um I, I think uh, every year I ask the question to everyone on Twitter like who's the most difficult evaluation for you guys and there's usually a variety of answers I feel like this year Leonard Miller is going to be a pretty unanimous one um he's just got really uh high highs and low lows defensively too um I, I guess on the perimeter like um, there's times where he does a really good job of mirroring guys, um, even guards, and then other times um, guys that are of like size to him can just get by him, um, and it's just hard to understand, like, how that happens. Um, he covers ground extremely quickly as a recovery guy, um, so I feel like that he has that going for him um, because of how lost he is so often. He is able to recover uh, at a really good rate just because of how quickly he covers ground and how wild of a mover he is. Um, he does use his length pretty well, uh, but there's a lot of, like, technical issues he has. Um, the footwork, uh, I think he has good footwork in terms of staying on balance and things like that, but then he's got poor footwork in the regard that he doesn't do a good job of um, setting himself up in ways that, like, once he takes one step the wrong way, he's sort of out of the play. He doesn't do a good job of uh, taking certain angles and things like that. Um, so the, he's missing a technical proficiency level that, um, is, is sort of large. Uh, but then he's got this just like the raw athleticism and the raw, um, feel at times. So I don't know. It's, it's tough to, to pin him down as a defender and I don't really know how to feel with him either. Uh, for different reasons than Sissoko, but same same outcome. Right? I just I don't get them defensively. I don't know where to be.
0: I would. I trust him comfortably more than Sissoko long term, Uh, even if I think Sissoko is probably a better. Like he's like more sound. Uh, give me the person who can really move laterally and has, uh, hips that can, do this. Um, you know, uh, not that anyone can see that horrible podcasting, but um no one like like again city stiff hips are just they're they're gonna be the death of me. It's it was like hard to watch sometimes. Like he it it made me want to be even lower on it than I am because man it is just like it it is hard to watch someone like that defend. It's like watching like an old man. It's like watching my dad defend someone because it's just his hips don't move like that anymore. Uh, but yeah, anyways, I think that's, I think that's about all on Leonard Miller. I'd probably take him in the first round. Uh, where, where are you guys kind of at with his, with his value?
1: Same exact as where I have. So, so go fringe first guy, maybe a, um, priority second. Uh, as I watch more guys, we'll, we'll sort of see where they land, but somewhere in that range of probably 25 to 35, um, yeah, I don't really know where to value him. I'm a little lower than on, I was last class on him, I think. I think
2: he'll end up in the exact same range because this class is deeper, but I will be higher on him than I was last year. I think he'll end up, he's right now my late lotto tier. Um, I think, especially without Scoot, and even with Scoot, his ability to play on and off ball and, I, I I think if a team properly invests in him, there is like a, like Bryce talked about all star level quality shit here. Uh, and I I think there's some funky connector outcomes where he's a cut in space big who can ISO against shittier slower bigs kind of thing. Uh, but I mean right now late Lotto tier, you know, gonna end up probably around fifteen to twenty. I uh, was about where I had him last year but
1: the final thing I'll say with Miller is it um it's really going to b- depend on a lot on coaching staff and how much they trust him because he's he's a, a far bit away from being like a positive NBA player right now um and a coach and organization I guess um I think Bryce talked about this before he started recording but they're going to have to really trust him to give him the minutes that he needs and the reps that he needs to become that positive player. So I think a lot of his career is going to hinge on where he lands um, because it's going to take probably a good year or two before he's or at least two years um, before he's he's putting up productive rotational minutes um, as an, a positive rotation minutes for an NBA player.
0: Yeah, I I think that's about all we got. All right, let's we'll move quickly through these last 2.5 uh people we have to talk about. First one is Ife Abugidi, um, who of course I got to see uh up close and personal for a while That's when he was at WSU uh before going to the Julie Knight. I thought moving to the Julie Knight was a great idea for him. I thought it would be a really great look. Um, also, it should be noted that it looks like his middle name is Tennyson, which makes me think of Ben 10, and that's cool. Um, listed at 6'10, 225, probably <laughs> he's probably more like 6'8, like if we're being completely honest, he's a very undersized center. Um, he's 21 years old, and he, he's so uh, he will be 22 like in the first month of his rookie season. Um, I think the biggest thing with F.A. is it just seems like he could not stay healthy. Uh, he had another knee injury, and he's someone who's known for having pretty catastrophically bad knees. Um, I don't factor that into my evaluation much at all because, again, I don't have that sort of transparent information. And uh, I, I I don't make my boards to be looked back well on in hindsight. Like, that's not what they're for um they're about value at the time uh so we will talk about fa as if he were healthy um but i i think it is too bad uh that it seems like what is really going to suppress his draft stock is the health um i think the most interesting stuff with fa is the defense um it's the combination of movement skills vertical pop length timing on his shot blocks that type of stuff um i think fa is is a is a truly or sorry Ife, I'm sure you're saying FA Abugidi. That's how it was, that's how he had preferred it to be said when he was in Pullman. Uh, and and you know, all the power to him, but he has asked to be pronounced Ife Abugidi. Uh, so I, I will try my best. But two years of being conditioned to say it one way, it, it has taken me a second. Um, the length and timing on his shot blocking is really impressive. Like when he was in Pullman, I thought he was one of the best shot blockers in the country. Honestly, I thought he was so underrated because people just like, like his timing, his, his two foot leaping ability is just really insane. Gets off the ground so fast. Like the load time is non-existent for Efe, for for Ife, And I, I I really just loved how that showed up uh, near the rim. Uh, And it showed up a little bit in, in the G league, not as much as I would like because Because of Mika being really bad defensively, they wanted to hard hedge him. And they didn't want to change the scheme when F.A. was on the floor. And when F.A. isn't on the floor, lots of times it's like Leonard Miller at the five or Sharif O'Neal. They don't want to drop them either. So, so Ife was hard hedging a lot. And he is a very good hard hedge big. Like he is great at getting out on the floor and recovering back to his man. But that's just not something you see very much in the NBA even if a big does get to the level, it's never like as a hard hedge. It's either as a switch or as a kind of high catch, but you're still not like giving up that, like selling out to kind of almost trap the ball handler because NBA ball handlers are just too good generally. So you just don't, you just don't see that very often. And I I, I think it hurt kind of his defensive perception and then lots of times he would get caught in these weird kind of like mid-high catches that looked really bad. Like there were times where he looked bad, and I think it was more uh, a scheme thing than anything. But where he was just caught in the middle of the floor with no clear direction, and it and it just looked awful. He gave up lobs or, or straight line drives. Um, you would kind of see him get hurt as the season went on. Like progr- it felt like the knee got progressively worse. Like he started the season really bouncy and really laterally quick. And by the, towards the end of his season, which has now been cut short, um, he looked like so slow and so, I mean, it looked like he was hurting. It looked like he was aching. And of of course, again, eventually his season got cut short and uh, it just feels like that was like a degenerative issue going on. He just couldn't handle moving laterally like that. Uh, but I think his lateral movement skills are pretty solid when he's healthy. The length helps cover for a lot. And if he does get beat, again, he gets off the ground so quick that so long as he can stay within about a you know a half step, he could block a shot like in a chase down pretty easily. Or even if he doesn't, he can scare a guard away from taking that shot just by being there. So I think his pick and roll D is, is really, really good. Uh, Coop, how do you feel about his
2: overall defense? Yeah, he was really, really solid, whether in like a you know, rotational sense. I thought he was really impressive guarding Wembenyama for someone who is like uh I'm not even gonna guess however many inches shorter, somewhere between uh seven to ten inches shorter than Victor Wembenyama. Uh I thought he used his strength well. I thought he used his agility well. Um and yeah, he's just so quick off the floor uh, um that. He can contest basically anything around the rim. It doesn't matter the positioning he's in. Just has so much energy as well. Uh, I thought he rebounded the ball well. I thought he got contested rebounds well. Um, just does a lot of the smaller stuff that you want your bigs to do on the defensive end. Um, and hopefully he can just stay healthy so he you know, gets drafted and gets a chance to show his stuff at the
1: next level. Yeah, I think that uh, a is um, really uh, I mean, just a simplistic player. That's probably easiest evaluation on Ignite, thankfully, with all the other absolute mind twisters on this roster. Um, it, it, he's I mean, he's just a rim runner and he's really good at it. That's I, I don't have like a whole lot to add to that. Um, I think that uh, the jumper um, was really impressive early on. There's one game where he hit like Six mid-rangeers in a row, six mid-range jumpers. Um, I think that he has the touch to maybe stretch it out. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a high-volume guy from deep, but I think that there's maybe times where he finds himself open from three and he's able to put it in from there. Um, But uh, I think that he is uh, really solid as a role guy offensively. Um, I think that defensively he's – like Bryce is saying, he can get caught in no man's land a little bit sometimes, but um, I think that he's a good enough mover to make up for that fairly quickly. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add with Abugidi Like, I think he's a pretty, like, simplistic guy uh, as a player. So um, I I like him. I like him, as especially in a draft that doesn't have a lot of bigs outside of the real top guys. Yeah, and I think
0: offensively, you mentioned how simplistic he is. I think the touch is great. I think he can hit some like weird, kind of funky floaters and stuff. I think the jumper will come around eventually. It's clear that uh, he hasn't had a ton of time to rep it out, um, but I buy the jumper. Um, I think uh, he's hit some, he's hit a good amount of mid rangers, just hasn't fully extended out yet. But, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to be like, guarded from three so maybe the jumper doesn't matter in the first place it's not like he can attack close out anyways so i guess it doesn't make a huge difference but he's a great lob threat because he can just get off the ground so quick again it's just it's just a health thing um for me if he was fully healthy he's like almost a borderline first rounder for me i have him in my late first early second tier um but i i, I just wish he he was for sure healthy because I, I feel like uh we might never see him uh play a ton. Uh do do we Coop, do you have any final thoughts on on a uh, boogie before you move on?
1: Uh yeah, just
2: good offensive rebounder, able to get above the rim pretty well because he's so fast off the ground. Um and really just slam the ball. Absolutely vicious. Um yeah, just just wish he could stay healthy. Um, i have him as a priority second round right now. Um just hard to find good quality bigs that have uh you know the ability to roll, the ability to defend a couple different schemes, uh, the ability to not mess up all the time and you know, also be pretty gifted athletically. Uh if he can stay healthy and also, you know, maybe stretch out to the corner every once in a while to, you know, maybe give you one three a game and like one made three a game, then you know, that's that. A dub at the end of the day, you know, you don't scheme him as like a Carl Anthony Towns or anything, but uh, I think there's a world where he's pretty solidly valuable, it's just uh, hard to bet on because we haven't seen a ton of him,
0: yeah. Uh, all right, I think that's probably enough. Uh, on uh, Boogie, let's move on to the last guy we're really gonna talk about with any depth here, and that's Mojave King. Mojave King is 20 years old, he will be 21. Uh, right before the draft, he's from Dundon, Dundon, Dunedin, New Zealand. I should ask Charlize uh, Ledger Walker, who I see every day, how that's said. Um, he is listed at 6'5, 194. I buy 6'5. I think he looks all, all, every bit of 6'5, not any taller. I don't really see like he's not like he's not really three sized, but he's definitely a three. Uh, and I think that's the best way to describe his game in general is not really three sized or like, he's like an undersized wing. Um, and, and that's not the worst thing in the world. It's just, I, nothing I, and I really tried, I know you guys love Mojave King. So I really tried. There is nothing about his game that really stood out to me, uh, much at all. I was just, he's he is fine. He's averaging 9.6 points, 3.7 rebounds, 1.66, 0.5 steals, 0. 0.5 blocks. Um, the efficiency is like okay. He's just so fine. He that The definition of a solid, fine wing, but he's undersized. I don't think he can really dribble 34.5% from three. Uh, thank you so much, Coop. Uh, The shot looks fine, but he is not good at taking them on any sort of variability whenever he is stepping back or sprinting into a shot or doing anything other than, like, a simple one-two step, specifically left-right. It looks really bad, um, and his misses are all over the place. Like, that's the most worrying thing about his jumper is that they are right, they are left, they are long, they are short. Um, The defense is fine. He's strong. Uh, I think he... Struggles with screen nav, but help is fine. I just, nothing really stood out. So Coop, I'll throw this to you. Sell me on Mojave King.
2: I think defensively, he reads offenses pretty well. I think he puts his body in the right position, uh, can generate steals pretty well. And if he does one of my favorite things in the entire world, he actually digs at the nail. Uh, if he's the nail defender. He's actually getting in there, trying to get steals. He just actually like does shit. He doesn't fake anything. Um, I think he's his screen nav is solid, and he's fine in isolation. I think he's you know six five and strong, which means he can defend most, you know, one, two, and three in the NBA on, on a on a good day. Um, I think. He just is good at everything, right? Like you said, you said that like it's a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> the shot's a little weird, but when it's on, it's on. The elbow kind of looks janky on it. It's kind of a little weird looking. and His, his whole game is kind of basic, but he cuts. Uh, he has good timing on offense and defense, and he's just kind of solid. Uh, he just he plays the game the right way. Uh, and and we need we need guys like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I think Bryce just hates Australians. Um, at this point, hated Dyson, probably hated Josh Green. Um, I'm just kidding. But Josh uh, Green I do like finish for his left hand. So yeah, I was I was pretty. Oh out. my gosh, this guy. Um, Hater Hendricks is back at it, ladies and gentlemen. But I do think that um, Mojave King. Uh, yeah he's not like a flashy player by any means but I do think that he can be like a really solid role guy I really like his defense on the perimeter especially I think he's really good at staying in front of guys um I think he could be a really proficient catch and shoot guy uh, like Bryce is saying not the most versatile guy but I think off the catch he does um a lot more good than than bad sometimes he misses wide open things but for the most part I think he's he's knocking him down um I think he has a fairly quick first step um not anything special but i don't think it's um average or below average um i do think that uh he's really strong and that helps him on both ends um both as a finisher even though he's not super versatile i do think that he's able to finish through contact just with strength uh and i do think that he's able to hold his own against even though um the height isn't ideal as a, as a wing at 6'5 I do think uh, much like Josh Green, that the strength does help, um, on the perimeter defensively makes up for a little bit. Um, King was someone that I I've watched for a long time. I don't know why, but um, I remember watching him at basketball without borders with Josh Giddey. He did a really good job. Um, and he, a lot of times, Mojave King was actually the one running the offense, um, on that team. And King, uh, as he definitely got taller. since the last time I seen him. And I think that has played a part in the, the change of role. Um, I I think that he's not like an ideal initiator by any means, but I, I think that he still has some of that passing instinct in him. Um, and that comes into play as a ball mover, as a wing. Um, so I'm fairly in on, on Mojave as just like a really solid bench wing. Um, and I don't know, I felt confident that he's going to be an NBA player. I guess that's where I'm at. Even though it's not like there's not very much upside to tap into there, I just feel like he's an NBA guy, um, even if he's not a starter. So uh, that's sort of sort of why I value him where I do.
0: Yeah, I think all that is fair. Um, I just wish he were, like, two inches taller, a little bit longer. And I, I wish he just had, like, a skill – I could really buy. If he does shoot, he's probably a guy. But I'm not like 100% sure that he is going to be like a high 30 shooter at the next level. If he shoots 35-36% from three in the NBA, all of a sudden he's not really a guy. Because he's not like a stopper. He's not an elite nail defender or rim rotation defender. He's fine at all those things. Like he could probably survive on... Most twos and some threes in the NBA. But I wouldn't want him guarding ones, which is a way that, you know, like that's like a way so like a Contavious Caldwell Pope brings value. I don't want him like making a ton of decisions offensively because he gets overstimulated really easily uh, and makes some pretty erratic decisions if he's in tighter windows or some odd spots on the floor. Um, I just, I, I don't know. I, I would draft King. I think I have him in my, on, I haven't in like my top UDFA. So if this draft is really shitty, maybe, maybe give him a draft. I haven't got that far into it. Um, if you know, but like, he's definitely worth a two way, but I'm not sure I would, I would guarantee him more than that right now because I just, I, there's a world where he's like a, not even good enough to be a high level starter on like a lot of European teams if the shot's not really there, because he's just not a lead at anything. Um, Good two-foot leaper, though. He has some cool dunks. Uh, All right, I think that's all. Uh, The last guy we could mention who's in this draft is Babakar Sané, who um, I didn't even, like, see. He He stood out to me so little that I didn't even realize when he was out there and then I had to go back and watch highlight tapes because I was so
2: lost. Like I, he, he, he started, started some of those games that we watched. Yeah, it's just right. Like he, he just is he started he just, just games. disappears. He's, yeah.
0: you know, he's not super. Like he's a, he's efficient enough, but he doesn't make any plays. Never plays with the ball in his hands. What I did go back and watch, you know, he's from Senegal, school. All for those NBA uh, Academy from Africa guys. Honestly, fits the mold of someone who could have been a coup. So good for him. Um, just yeah, like I, I don't have much to say. He probably doesn't declare this year, like Stone mentioned, but he is eligible, and I'm not sure if he's someone that Julie Ignite is like dying to have back. So I, I, I'm, I think there's a world where he does declare. What I'll say is he's six six. He's a good enough athlete. If he shoots, maybe uh the defensive rotations did not stand out to me at all. I thought uh, kind of like City, he was pretty stiff. Uh Tory couldn't, he wasn't a great def- defender on the perimeter, but he is pretty strong. You know, 6'6, he's listed at 194, but I thought he was pretty strong. I thought he could handle some contact. Um Coopstone, do you guys have any thoughts on Sané? Uh
1: seems closer to like 220, honestly, when you look at him. He doesn't 194 seems a little light uh bryce you're muted um but
0: that's that's what i thought i thought he was pretty i thought he was pretty strong i thought the strength was one of the things that stood out for him
1: yeah um and i'm not sure he's six six. i think he might be like six five even um and he's primarily like a power forward so i think that's kind of an issue um he's yeah i i'm not the biggest sonny guy i think that he's pretty raw um offensively especially um still sort of seems like a like a bull in the china shop at times um i don't know there's there's just i don't want to spend too much time on him but there's a lot of uh work to be done offensively and i'd be really surprised if he declares um this year i think he's he's definitely more of a 2024 guy
0: yep that all seems fair if he is in this class i would Probably give him a two-league spot. Uh, I, I wouldn't draft him, and I wouldn't give him a real contract, uh, even a two-way. I prefer Bilal Kulabali slightly. That's that's my final takeaway. Give me the slight scraps from Bilal Kulabali. Um, all right, that's about everyone. Uh, we won't detail the tape. Uh, these guys, Coop and Stone, think John Jenkins and Aubrey Dawkins should be in the NBA because they watch the shittiest teams imaginable. I'll give them. John Jenkins is at least probably a borderline good enough shooter, uh, but the defense is awful. Aubrey Dawkins just
2: it's whatever. He's not. Aubrey Indian Dawkins offense. is not good. I I I'm not there with Stone. I I just like Jenkins. I think Jenkins is a, a on and off ball shooter guard. Can run some actual action and be a vet. I, I, think I disagree, I disagree on makes, on ball. I
0: disagree on on ball. He's like he can
2: ball. he can dribble I, a little bit. He can, I don't wanna... he can take two
0: dribbles <laughs> into a pull-up.
2: He can take true that's tri- more than Dacian Knicks can do. So I am all in.
1: I won't spend any time on those guys, but I do think both are worthy of like probably a two-way. I don't know if they're eligible. Probably I think, not, they're but...
0: too, I think they're too old.
1: Yeah, they're they're elderly. Um, but I would say um just a quick shout out, very brief. We don't even have to talk about them. But Sharif O'Neal definitely has improved, I think, since LSU. Um, definitely seems a lot stronger. Um, might have affected his mobility a little bit, but definitely has better ball, con- uh, body control than he did at LSU. Um, seems to grasp, uh, sort of what his role in an offense is a little bit better. So, um, just a, a shout out to improvement for Sharif O'Neill. I don't think he's an NBA guy, but just wanted to put that out there. One more shout
2: out, uh, if you can hear me over my dumb ass dog, um, to Gary Clark. Uh, oh my God! Shooting, no shooting. No. Forty point six percent from three all on right. nearly ten attempts per game. Playing elite defense. Bring him home. This is the end. This is the end. Uh, one more shout out. Nope. <laughs>
0: nope. Nope. I will mute you. Mason both. Jones is playing some good basketball. Uh, you're both muted. So, um, all right, guys, this has been great. Uh, for my asshole co host Coop and Stone, who are trying to keep me up all goddamn night. Uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, shout out Coop and Stone at report underscore core at alley underscore hoop underscore coop. I'm at price 14. Um, I'm not gonna mention, so just put in the chat, guys, I should shout out, but I will not. I'll give okay, Guy Santos, fine, glad you guys liked him. All right. He looked good for Santa Cruz playing against no defense. Good for him. Uh, Something we did not talk about much in this pod, the G League is awful defensively. It is such a mess. Uh, There is no scheme whatsoever, um, and it's why stats get so inflated. Um, Anyways, other than that, this has been great, guys. Uh, This has been the Upside Swings NBA Draft podcast. Uh, Give us a like, rating, review, all that fun stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Upside Swings. This has been the Upside Swings of VA Draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you.